Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In this podcast, podcast number 19, we will be looking at the story of Jairus from Mark chapter 5. Jairus was desperate. All hope seemed lost, and this in turn drove him to seek out Jesus for help. Jairus humbled himself and pleaded with Jesus to heal his dying daughter. This was the solution that Jairus sought. What do you do when all hope seems lost? This is the big idea in today's podcast. So let's read Mark chapter 5, verses 22 to 43. Starting at verse 22, reading from the New King James Version. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kamai, 
which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. In this portion of scripture, we have two stories about two different desperate people. One of the key reasons Mark records these two stories is to explain to us that when Jesus enters into a hopeless situation, he changes it. Jesus is that change agent in hopeless situations. First, we are introduced to Jairus, a desperate religious leader who approached Jesus to heal his dying 12-year-old daughter. Desperation drove him to seek Jesus for help. We will talk about Jairus at length in a minute. Jairus' story is interrupted with a second individual, a woman with a hemorrhaging problem. This woman was also desperate for her own personal healing. Let's talk about this woman for a minute. Think about her situation. She had exhausted her money in seeking healing from the medical profession for 12 years without success. Mark 5, verses 25 and 26. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This woman was ceremonially unclean. She was untouchable, like a leper, because of the condition that she had. Isolated from touch by everyone who was Jewish. Her husband, her children, her friends, by everybody. They were not allowed to touch her because she was ceremonially unclean. When hope of recovery was all but gone, someone told her about Jesus. She lost no time in finding him. This woman believed that if she could just touch Jesus as he passed by, she could be healed. She sought to touch Jesus secretly because of her unclean condition, with the belief that she would be healed if she could just touch him. Easing her way through the crowd, she touched the border of his garment. Mark 5 and verse 28 from the New Living Translation. For she thought to herself, If I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. This woman was immediately healed when she touched the garment of Jesus because she believed that she would be healed. She felt it right away. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That's Mark 5 and verse 29. She felt the effects of the healing immediately. The bleeding stopped and she felt completely well. She planned to slip away quietly, but the Lord would not let this happen. The Lord wanted her to publicly acknowledge him as healer and savior and explain to the crowd the healing that had transpired when she touched him. Jesus stopped, knowing someone was healed by touching him. Mark 5 and verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Jesus stopped, knowing someone was healed by touching him. The disciples said, What do you mean, who touched you? Everyone has been touching you. That's verse 31. This woman had touched Jesus with a desperate faith, 
and was healed with that touch. Jesus wanted to bring public attention to a healing that had taken place. Verse 32 says, he looked around. Literally, that means he kept looking around. The woman was terrified because she had just touched Jesus and made him unclean. So she was hesitant to admit what she had done. Mark 5 and verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus simply affirmed her healing with these words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. That's Mark 5 and verse 34. The words of the Lord Jesus not only confirmed her physical healing, but also eliminated all doubt about this healing. For both Jairus and this woman, Jesus was the last resort and their only hope. I believe the reason that Mark records these two stories was to convey the truth that Jesus is our hope. And when Jesus enters into a hopeless situation, it immediately changes. Jesus is the right person to turn to when hope seems lost. Do you face some difficult situations and hope seems lost for you? Jesus is your answer. In this podcast, I want to talk about what we do when hope seems lost. First, seek Jesus for help. That's what both Jairus and this woman did. Verses 22 and 23. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Do what Jairus and this woman did. Seek out Jesus for help. This principle is so elementary that we often overlook it. When we need help, of course, we must go to God. But many times we don't. We do everything but go to God. We exhaust every other possibility first. And then in desperation, when everything else has failed, we go to God. Jairus came to Jesus in this desperate state of mind. He was a religious leader who took a chance in approaching Jesus publicly and asking him for help. Most of the religious leaders would have feared the scorn and contempt of their associates for doing this. The religious leaders were opposed to Jesus and his ministry, and his ministry was under investigation. Jesus was not sanctioned by the Jewish officials. Jairus was desperate, and the Bible tells us that his daughter was dying, literally at the point of death. Luke 8 and verse 42 tells us that this was his only daughter. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Notice Jairus' desperation. He pleaded earnestly, verse 23 tells us. Literally, that means he begged much for Jesus to come and heal her. He was a desperate man. He fell at his feet and begged him, that is Jesus, earnestly. Verses 22 and 23. A leading person in the community, a person held in high honor, in charge of the arrangements of the synagogue services, humbled himself 
begging Jesus to heal his daughter. The daughter was at the point of death, the last stages of her illness. Probably Jairus had been present in the synagogue at Capernaum when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. This is recorded in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. We need to come to Jesus, not as a last resort, but as a first resort. Jairus didn't come to Jesus until things looked hopeless. Jesus was the only one who could help now because his daughter was at the point of death. He had no doubt exhausted every other possibility to help his daughter. He was desperate, prepared to risk everything, taking desperate measures he normally would not have taken because his daughter's life was on the line and all hope seemed lost. Jesus was his last resort. He didn't know what else to do. Jairus sought out Jesus. What do we do when hope seems lost? What do we do when it appears that we are going to lose something precious? Do we passively accept it, surrender to fate and do nothing? Or do we desperately storm into the presence of God and seek his help? Jesus honored Jairus' faith by starting out with his disciples towards the ruler's home. Verse 24, when hope seems lost, we need to seek God for help. Secondly, trust God in delay. Verses 24 to 34, Jairus made it clear to Jesus that his daughter was at the point of death. Verse 23, his body language probably communicated loudly to everyone, hurry, we've got to deal with this fast. There's no time to lose. We must go now. This is probably what Jairus was screaming out in his mind. He wanted Jesus to hurry and get to his daughter's bedside. He had watched his daughter's health deteriorate rapidly, and he knew that she didn't have much time to live unless Jesus would come quickly. As Jesus traveled on the way to the bedside of Jairus' dying daughter, he was interrupted by a woman who suffered with a chronic bleeding problem for 12 years, verse 25. In fact, the many physicians that she had gone to for help had used some dramatic forms of treatment, draining her finances and leaving her in a worse condition than before. When hope of recovery was all but gone, someone told her about Jesus. This story is sandwiched right in the middle of the story of Jairus. Verses 25 to 34. Mark is clear at the beginning of this story in Mark 5, verse 24, that a great multitude followed Jesus and thronged him. That's the wording of the New King James Version. The NAB says they pressed upon him. And the New Century Version says they pushed very close around him. And so the idea is that Jesus, in walking to the house of Jairus, was pressed closely by the crowd around him. This woman was unclean according to the law because of the condition that she suffered. For this reason, she attempted to obtain healing secretly by simply touching him as he passed by. This is another story of a desperate person who takes some desperate measures to seek help from Jesus. Jesus was neither annoyed nor frustrated by the interruption. How do we react to these interruptions or hindrances in life? 
we have a plan or a direction we are following in life and it gets interrupted or hindered. How do we react when this happens? God is often behind these interruptions or hindrances in life. He is testing our faith, looking to see how we will react. This was the place that Jairus found himself in when Jesus stopped and asked the crowd, Who touched my clothes? Verse 30. Everything would have been fine. This woman would have received her healing secretly and unnoticed, and Jairus would have gone on with Jesus to his daughter's bedside, except Jesus didn't want this woman's healing to go unnoticed. So he stops. To Jairus, this was an unwelcomed interruption, a disastrous interruption. The delay caused by this woman's healing was a severe test of Jairus's faith. Can you hear Jairus' thoughts during this incident? Jesus, why are we stopping? Can't we do this later? We need to go now. My daughter hangs in the balance. Her life hangs in the balance. These minutes of delay must have been unbearable for Jairus. He feared that his daughter would die before Jesus arrived at his daughter's bedside. It is during a time of delay that our faith can break down. In the Bible, many great men of faith experienced delays. We have Abraham and Joseph and Moses, just to name a few who experienced a delay in God's promises. It is during a time of delay that our faith or our lack of it is exposed. Look at the parable of the unjust judge. Jesus intends to teach his disciples the need for persistence in prayer when the answer does not come instantaneously. Look at Luke 18 verses 1 to 5. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear either God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Notice that Jesus addresses this matter of delayed answers in this parable. There are times when God designs a delay in order to produce a specific work in us. God's purpose for the delay is that we persist and press into him for the answer. We need to trust God even when we experience delay. This is what Jairus needed to do during this delay. When hope seems lost, we need to trust God during a delay. Thirdly, listen to God's word, verses 35 and 36. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. As Jesus was finishing his words to the woman, the news came of the daughter's death. The implication was that her death was irrevocable 
and without remedy, hope was lost. This often happens when we turn to God for help. Have you ever noticed that? Things get worse. The problem seems irreversible and all hope seems lost. You go to God for help and things get worse instead of getting better. Satan wants to punish us for turning to God for help. So he makes things worse than they were before. This is what happened to Jairus. The Bible says that while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? That's Mark 5, verse 35. It is futile to trouble Jesus any further. Nothing more can be done. Your daughter has died. Satan says this to us. Nothing more can be done now. All is lost. There's a finality to death for the unbeliever. But for the believer, there's no finality to death. Death is an introduction to life, life everlasting. And we have this assurance that the Bible gives us that we will be reunited with those that have died, that know Christ. This is comfort that we find in the scriptures that the Christian can cling on to when a loved one dies. Satan uses discouraging circumstances to sow hopelessness and despair into our hearts. Satan's message continues. The teacher didn't care about your daughter. If he would have cared, he would have hurried to your daughter's bedside. Instead of talking to this woman, don't bother with him anymore. These could have been the words that Jairus was hearing from Satan in his mind. God doesn't love you. God hasn't done anything for you. Look at the trouble that you're in. What has God done? He has done nothing to help you. Things are getting worse instead of better. All these kinds of things Satan will sow into our minds, sow into our hearts to get us to spiral down in discouragement. The enemy points the finger of accusation against God. God is not a good God. Look what he's done or look what he hasn't done for you. God doesn't care. Look at what he's allowed to happen in your life. We often think that this is our self-talk, but in reality, it's Satan speaking to us words of discouragement to try to pry us away from God. Don't listen to this type of rationality. Jesus responds to this message to Jairus. It's recorded in Mark chapter 5, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Jesus overheard the message to Jairus, but refused to accept it. We really don't pick this up in the way that the King James Version is worded here. The Greek word used here is better translated, Jesus refused to hear. Verse 36, Jesus heard the word that was spoken, but ignored or refused to listen. In the Greek, this idea of ignoring or refusing to hear or refusing to listen is there. Jesus ignored the word that was spoken to Jairus. The same Greek word is used in Matthew 18, verse 17, and it's translated neglect to hear. So let's read Matthew 18, verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. The word means 
to hear without heeding, to pay no attention to, to refuse to hear. And this is what Jesus did when he overheard the news given to Jairus. He refused to hear it. He ignored it. He refused to listen. Jesus overheard but ignored the news. Jesus clearly was in tune with another voice. He had some other agenda. Several other translations of Mark 5 and verse 36. The New Century Version reads it this way, But Jesus paid no attention to what was said. The NAB reads it this way, Disregarding the message that was reported. And the New Living Translation reads it this way, But Jesus ignored their comments and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just trust me. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. That's Mark 5.36 in the New King James Version. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, only believe. The Greek here means stop being afraid. Don't quit. Keep on believing. Jesus told Jairus to stop fearing and to keep on believing the best for your daughter. There is a contradiction in messages here. Jairus was hearing two different messages. He now had a choice to make. It was easier for Jairus to trust in Jesus while his daughter was still alive. But now she was dead and all hope was lost. Would he listen to the advice of Jesus or would he give in to grief over the news of his daughter's death? It is often the reality of our circumstances which causes our faith to fail. Will he choose to believe the words of Jesus or accept the reality that his daughter had died? Jairus was given a special word from Jesus to continue to believe. Jairus clearly expressed faith in Jesus by allowing Jesus to continue the journey to his home, even after he was given the news of his daughter's death. When hope seems lost, we need to listen to God's word. Fourthly, get clear of distractions. Verses 37 to 40. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Then he came in and said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. That's Mark 5, verses 37 to 40. A war raged in Jairus's mind between fear and faith. Jesus dismissed the crowd and sent them away after they had received the news of the daughter's death. He got Jairus away from the crowd. The Bible says that Jesus permitted no one to follow him. That's verse 37. This may have been to free Jairus from the unbelief and the confusion of the crowd. Jesus was looking out for the needs of Jairus, giving him space and solitude. When I am in a crisis, I often seek solitude. Many of us do. He permitted only three disciples to join him, Peter, James, and John. These were the inner three disciples who served as witnesses of many of the things that Jesus did in private. 
These three disciples also witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus in Mark 9, verse 2, and accompanied Jesus at Gethsemane, Mark 14, verses 32 and 33. When life gets hard, things appear hopeless. We need to separate ourselves from the crowd and get alone with God. When they arrived at the house, the elaborate ritual of Jewish mourning had already begun. Mark 5, verse 38. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus found many people there making lots of noise and crying loudly. That's Mark 5, verse 38 in the New Century Version. They were met by an unrestrained weeping characteristic of Eastern culture in times of sorrow. Professional mourners were often hired to provide demonstrations of sorrow. These Jewish mourners were probably anything but subdued and respectful. This was the scene that Jesus walked into at the house. Hired professional mourners were weeping and wailing. Neighbors and relatives were at the house to console the family with the death of their daughter. The house was in an uproar. The house of Jairus was full of noise and commotion. Jesus wanted to know the reason for the uproar and the commotion. Why make this commotion and weep? That's verse 39. Jesus added, The child is not dead but sleeping. He did not mean that the child was not actually dead, but he was predicting that she would be awakened from death as if from sleep. For the Christian death is viewed as a temporary condition like sleep. Death for the Christian is temporary because the Christian believes in the day of resurrection. Look at the response to these words of Jesus. Verse 40 says, they ridiculed him. Literally, that means they kept laughing or kept ridiculing him. They laughed him to scorn, the King James Version says. They knew the girl was dead and they were sure that this death was permanent. Jesus was confronted with ridicule and unbelief, no atmosphere for performing a miracle. So Jesus put them all outside. A strong word is used here. It means to thrust out. Jesus drove the jeering mourners from the house because they stood in opposition to God's agenda. We must remove ourselves from the distractions of unbelief. Unbelief laughs at God's word, ridicules God's word, but faith lays hold of it. Jesus cleared the house of distractions to faith. Faithless, negative, unbelieving people that didn't support or contribute to God's agenda. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, has an entire chapter on the discipline of solitude. He says this, and I quote, Without silence, there is no solitude. Though silence sometimes involves the absence of speech, it always involves the act of listening. Simply to refrain from talking without a heart of listening to God is not silence. Unquote. There are times in our life when we need to clear away the distractions so that we can hear the voice of God. When hope seems lost, we need to clear away the distractions from our heart and from our mind. Fifthly, exercise your spiritual authority. Verses 41 and 42. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, 
Talitha Kamai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. He took the immediate family to the motionless child, and taking her by the hand, said in Aramaic, Talitha Kamai, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Verse 41. This was no magic formula. Jesus used his spiritual authority. We also have this spiritual authority that God has given us. Immediately the 12-year-old girl got up and walked. Verse 42. The Bible says they were overcome with great amazement, literally beside themselves in amazement. Peter witnessed this miracle of Jesus that day and does something similar in Acts chapter 9. Let's read it. Acts 9 verses 39 to 42. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing their tunics and garments, which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when she had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. The Holy Spirit specifically led Peter to pray for the resurrection of Dorcas. The point is, Peter used his spiritual authority in Christ. We have spiritual authority in Christ, and we need to use it. Christians often do not use their spiritual authority that they have in Christ. We can speak to disease and sickness in Jesus' name. We can speak to demons in Jesus' name and tell them to go. We can speak to difficult situations in Jesus' name and they will change. Let me qualify this by saying we don't just speak to sickness or difficulties because it seems appropriate to us. We exercise spiritual authority in Christ because God tells us to do so in a given situation that we face. In Jesus' name, we have power and authority which the Father has given us. When the Father gives us permission to speak to these situations, to demons, to sickness, then we do it. There are certain given situations that we face that we should use our spiritual authority, but we do not. We choose to ignore this authority that has been given us by God. We underestimate the authority that we have been given as a believer. When hope seems lost, we need to exercise our spiritual authority. What do we do when hope seems lost? Do we seek Jesus for help? Jesus should be our first resort, not our last resort. Do we trust God when an answer is delayed? A delay is often a test of our faith. Do we listen to God's word? Do we get clear of distractions? Getting the mind of God on a matter? Do we exercise our spiritual authority? We have authority in Christ that we need to use. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. 
never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? You can also visit my website, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of my messages and book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason79 at gmail.com. That is R-O-C-K, rock, R-E-V, rev, M-A-S-O-N, mason, 79 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.